welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, hello, hello. Good to see everyone. Welcome to Gateway. We're so glad that you're here with us today. And I'm glad to be here with you as well and sharing. Obviously, you can hear my voice is a little bit stronger. It's finally back again. I'm grateful and thankful for your prayers and the grace that you've given me as I walk through this recovery process. For those that don't know me, because especially if you come within the last few weeks or you're new, uh, my name is Ethan. I have the opportunity to serve as the senior pastor here of the church. But uh, a couple months ago, I found out I had a hemorrhagic polyp on my left vocal cord that required surgery. And so I was walking through that process, had the surgery, and I just went to the ENT this past week. And as they looked at it, they said, you are good to go. It's completely healed, completely recovered. So I'm grateful for that. So now I'll begin the process to ramping back up again to speaking more services, but I'm grateful to be here today. It's an exciting weekend for many different reasons. One, because this past week we celebrated four years as a church, which was, has been incredible. Uh, as I look back at what God has done over the last four years, it really just blows me away. I truly believe it's a miracle in motion and that God is just getting started with what he wants to do here with a community of people that are willing to say yes to following him wherever he would call us to go to hear, believe, and to step out and obey. And I just want to say I'm grateful to all of you, no matter when you joined us in the journey, you played a significant and integral part of what God wants to do. But today I'm excited because we get to welcome our Gateway Magnolia location. It is their grand opening. Let's welcome them. We're so glad that you are here. I uh, believe that God's going to continue to do an incredible work in that area. We're continuing the legacy that Pastors James, James and Gina Paulnick started uh, years ago. But what God's going to do in that area, our, our heart is to be one church family in multiple locations as we reach the greater Houston area and really around the world to help people know God, belong to family, discover their purpose, and build the kingdom. And we're inviting people into this journey, and all of us are part of it. So I'm so excited and believing that incredible things are going to happen here in Katy and in the Magnolia area. And I'm also excited because this is Groups Launch Weekend, which is incredible as well. I know we have groups that are at both locations, and after the service in the lobby, group leaders are ready. They would love to meet you, answer any questions you may have. And uh, There's a card. I at least want you to grab this. Uh, our heart is that people would be connected in community. It's one thing to attend church. It's another thing to be connected with other people there. So I want to encourage you to make that next step. Get in a group. Be around people. Build relationships. Because that's what makes a church that's larger feel smaller and feel like home. So I want to encourage you to get connected in a group. And then obviously, as you saw in that announcement, two weeks from now, February 10th and 11th, our apostolic elder and overseeing elder, Pastor Robert, will be here to share a word that I want you to be here. It's being, it'll be an incredible time. He's doing well. He's fully recovered as well and sharing back uh, again, but I know that anytime he's been here, it's been an incredible word that really propels us into the future and the life of our church. Well, let's dive into the word. If you have a Bible with you, you can go to John chapter 4. 
John chapter 4, or you could go to the Version app, click on events, and all of our notes are right there. Just press Gateway Church Houston. It's a great way people take their notes there and then save them to later and go back to them. But we've been in a series titled Let's Go, and I hope that you've enjoyed it. Pastor Lane, Pastor Welby have done a phenomenal job, and I'm jumping in here as well. But we've been talking about what it looks like for us to come into the presence of God, to go out with the presence of God, and then what it means to be friends and to be a friend of God. And today, the message title as I continue this series is titled, Let's Eat. Let's Eat. And no, this has nothing to do in reference to the fast being over, although y'all have done a phenomenal job. I know for me, I was fasting bread and dessert, and I went to the Cheesecake Factory with Elaine and my mother-in-law, and they ate all the bread right in front of me, so I was tempted there. And then I realized I was on social media, and apparently Bluebell decided to come out with cinnamon bun-flavored ice cream during the fast, and I was fasting dessert, so that wasn't kind. But I want you to know I made it through both temptations, and I finished strong. But I'm excited because during this prayer and fasting time, it really is a time that sets the tone for the rest of the year. For God to continue to move in a powerful way, it's not by our own ability, it's ultimately by his spirit that we want to move forward, and in prayer we get to really hear his heart as we move forward. But you'll understand what let's eat means whenever we continue through this message. So in John chapter 4, starting in verse 5, it says this, so he, that's Jesus, came to a a city of Samaria, which is called Sakaar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. So this place is actually very significant in many different ways, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but this is actually the first place that Abraham, when his name was Abram, came into the promised land. This is a place where he built the first altar as well, and he called on the name of the Lord. So Jesus is very strategic in what he's doing, but he stops at this place, and he said, now Jacob's well was there, verse 6. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour around noontime. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. We're going to continue in this passage, but I want to stop for a moment, because this is a passage that helps us understand that Jesus was human, that Jesus is human, that he had a body, and that he experienced what we experienced Yes, we know that he is God, but Jesus also got tired in his humanity. He got wearied. So this means that Jesus can relate to us. In a couple of weeks, we're going to do a series heading into Easter called The Real Jesus. We're going to talk about his divinity, his humanity, but in his humanity, he's actually tired and wearied at this point to where he needs to sit down and he needs a drink and he needs food. We picked this up in verse 31. It said, in the meantime, His disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat, of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Apparently, they were questioning if he had DoorDash, Chick-fil-A, or In-N-Out Inn. But disciples never get it. I'm, I'm sure you realize he's having a different conversation with them, and his disciples don't understand in this moment. But Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. See, God's word, we know, is spiritual food. The scriptures say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
So there is spiritual food, but Jesus obviously is the word. So he's, he's just simply saying about the will and the work. But God's word is spiritual food. But here's what we need to understand. God's will is also spiritual food. And God's work is spiritual food as well. And food is very important in the natural. I remember growing up as a kid with my, with my parents, and I knew that there were specific times that you needed to come to your parents and ask them a question if you actually wanted to, the answer to be yes. I don't know if you know anyone else. The worst time to ask them is when they had just come home from work all day. They were hungry, they were thirsty, and they hadn't had the chance to relax. Just so you know, that's not the time to ask your parents anything for the uh, teenagers in the room. Why? Because you're tired, you're hangry, you just don't want to say yes in that moment. But what happens when you have the chance to eat some food, to relax a little bit? Then you're a little bit open. Why? Because you're refreshed and you're energized by that. In the same way that happens with natural food, it's the same with spiritual food. Jesus is in this moment saying, even though he was wearied and he was tired, that he had spiritual food, and that spiritual food refreshed him and energized him to be able to walk in what he was called to do in that moment. John 6, 29 tells us this. It said, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. So you may be here today and say, okay, what's the work of God? Okay, the work of God actually starts with believing in God. The work of God does not start with doing. The work of God actually starts with trusting. It starts with being in relationship with him. But the question I have for all of us, is it possible that some of us are starving spiritually because we don't read the word of God, we don't do the will of God, and we aren't stepping out to finish the work that God has called for us to work? So we all have a part but they all three go together. When we read the word and meditate on it, we understand uh, God's will. And once we understand God's will, we're able to step out in his work. But I have three points for us today to really dive into this story a little bit more when it comes to us uh, being witnesses and, and walking out what he's called us to do. And the first one is this, that Jesus shared his story. Jesus shared his story with this woman. We'll pick it back up in verse 9. It said, Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. By the way, Jesus is the only one on earth who could say, do you know who you're talking to? And it doesn't come out prideful, just so you know. None of us can do that. But he's saying, if you understood who was talking to you, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? It's a great question. Are you greater than our father Jacob? The answer is yes, by the way, who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I give will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. See, Jesus is having a spiritual conversation while she's having a natural one. But I don't know if you ever thought about it this way. Jesus is sharing his story. He's sharing who he is with her. We're going to continue it again in a moment. But he's 
sharing with who he is what, and what he can provide. But he's using something that's very natural, which is what he does. But she was intrigued and curious by his story. When he began to share, she began to ask questions. And I need us to know that our stories are actually one of the greatest witnessing tools that we have. And it's important for us to share our story. See, here's what I've learned in the years that I've been a pastor, and I just want to help you out with today, that it is very rare that you are going to argue someone into the kingdom of God. An argument is not what's necessarily going to bring them in. And here's why. Because we're simply supposed to be witnesses. Witnesses aren't supposed to argue. They're simply supposed to share what they've seen and what they've heard and what they experienced. That's what their job is. The question is, do we want to win souls or do we want to win an argument? Because if we want to win an argument, we can move forward in that way. But she tried to distract Jesus. She tried to take Jesus away from what he was wanting to do. She tried to bring up the vision in three main areas. She talked about race. She talked about reason. And then she talked about religion. She's saying Jews and Samaritans, we actually don't interact with each other. We don't deal with one another. And here's why. Samaritans to the Jews were actually considered half-breeds because they intermingled and married the pagan nations that actually conquered them. So they didn't deal with each other. And most of the time, Jews would actually go around Samaria, even though Samaria was the faster route, because they didn't even want to interact with each other. So she brings that up. But one thing I actually love about this church is that we're a diverse church with many people that are coming together to worship the name of Jesus. And I just love that and it's special about this church. But then she begins to reason. I know many of us, whenever we've been sharing the gospel with people, people give us all the reasons. They begin talking about dinosaurs, the flood, the age of the earth, all of these different things. And she just simply said, you have nothing to draw water with. How are you going to give me this water? But then finally, she gets to the religion side of it. See, because they were separated and they didn't interact, the Samaritans had built their own place of worship. And she's like, you worship here and we worship here. And, and Jesus is actually telling her in this moment, actually, we know the place to worship, but he goes around that. And in today's society, you'll get that. Religion, many people, it sounds like this though. They'll actually say, well, all roads and all religions lead to God. Okay, here's the problem with that, is that Jesus made exclusive claims all throughout the scripture. And one of them is, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one gets to the Father except through me. So there are exclusive claims that are made, but I want you to understand that Jesus didn't answer her questions. He actually stuck with his story. See, all we have to do is tell them what we know. And the, there's a passage in John 9 where Jesus healed a blind man, and later on, the religious leaders were coming against him, asking them, him all these questions. And all he said is, I don't know the questions, the answer to the questions that you're asking me. But one thing I do know is that I was blind, but now I see. See, all you have to do is tell your story. He wasn't going to argue with them. He was just saying that I witnessed something and my life has been changed, so I'm sharing their story, my story. See, I want to teach you the first step in telling your story, but it's going to take a step from us, but it's not as hard as you think. You're going to have to talk to people. You're going to have to have a conversation. I know for the introverts in the room, they're like, I got to talk to random people. Yes, you do. You got to talk to the people that are your coworkers. You got to talk to the people that are in your schools. We have to have a conversation. See, do you think Jesus stopped at that well where the woman was just simply to have a drink or to start a conversation so that her life would be changed? Obviously, to start a conversation. 
See, we, you may have heard the quote, and I think this quote means well or sounds good in theory. This quote just goes like this. It said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. How many of you ever heard that quote before? Okay. How many of you wouldn't raise your hand anyway and for no reason, even when I'm up here asking you a question? Okay. I know that's most of you. That's okay. But I know, Magnolia, you're raising your hands with me. But that quote is very interesting. It says, if necessary, use words. But I'm here to tell you, it's necessary for you to use words. And here's why. Because Jesus used words, and he lived a perfect life and a sinless life, and he still uses words and preached and proclaimed about the kingdom of God. It's important that we have a conversation and that we use words. Well, you may say, well, what do I talk to people about? You're going to have to ask them questions. And I want you to know it's easy to talk to people. And I'm going to help you today because I'm going to tell you what every single person's favorite subject to talk about is, themselves. So ask them questions. Get to know them. Ask them about their hobbies. Ask them about the things that they're passionate about. Ask them about their grandkids. People love to talk about their grandkids. They'll show you pictures. They'll ask them about their kids. Ask them questions about their lives. It's important that we do that. I know many times you may come into a church and the pastor begins talking and he's always sharing stories about their family. And I just want to let you know you come to a church uh, that probably is not going to that's probably not going to happen here. I'm not going to be the one that tells you about their family, tell you how awesome they are, how loving and kind and beautiful and funny and just how there's so much fun to be. Oh, wow. Look at that. She is just so pretty. Look at my son. Preston, doing a wonderful job. Jack, I mean, aren't they a good-looking family, everybody? I mean, but all I'm saying is ask them questions. Uh, share your story because in the end, they'll actually ask you a question. You begin to share about what God has done in your life. But I want to help us a little bit more. There's something that Jesus actually says we are when we become followers of Christ. He actually says in Matthew 5.13 that you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Have you ever been around people or believers that they've lost the flavor? They've lost the saltiness. Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. See, salt through the scriptures can uh, symbolize eternity. All the sacrifices in the Old Testament had salt on them. Uh, David made a salt covenant with God representing the promise that would continue to go on forever. So salt plays a natural role. It, it, it helps food taste good. This is why I like a lot of salt because it's symbolic of eternity in the scriptures. It, uh, just tie that in for you right there. But I want to help us and use an acronym of SALT and talk, because there are two different ways that we can engage and minister to people. So I have thrown up this up on the screen. And SALT, the acronym would be the first one, the S, is we want you to start a conversation. This is the way that Jesus did it. He started a conversation. The A would be to ask questions. Ask questions. Get to know. Uh, get to know them. Be interested rather than simply trying to be interesting. Uh, the third one, the L, is listen. And actually, this is very key because they may begin to tell you parts of their story that you may be, begin to share what God has done in your life and how he brought you through, how he freed you, how he brought those dead areas back to life. And then finally, the T would stand for tell your story. Tell your story. 
tell the story about how God has changed your life, how you've been transformed. It's important for us to do this. Uh, then, but the other side is we can come into a conversation, but more or less desiring to talk. So I'm going to tell you what the talk would mean. Obviously, T would be talking. And if you're just simply talking, the A would probably lead to arguing, and the arguing would lead to what L stands for. You would just argue a little bit louder as you're going back and forth debating each other. And then the K, because I needed a word, is, is kick, uh, because you'd probably just want to kick the person and be done with them by the time you got through all of this. So ultimately, I'm encouraging you to be people that are salt. Jesus said that you are the salt of the earth. Let's be people that are willing to start a conversation. But we all need to learn how to share our story. You may say, well, my story is not very interesting. Okay, let me help you. Your story is not interesting because of your past. Your story is interesting because of the God that you've encountered who changed your life. And you can always share that part of the story because Jesus is the main part of our story. And our lives that we live out are simply a confirmation of the transformation that the gospel has done in our hearts and in our lives. So that's the first thing that Jesus did. The second thing is this. Jesus moved in the miraculous. Jesus moved in the miraculous. John 4, verse 16 says this, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, the most obvious statement in the scriptures, sir, I perceive you are a prophet, okay? Obviously, he read her mail in this moment. But this is actually why she's going to grab water at noon. She would have been a social outcast, not connected because of her past and because of her life. But Jesus, out of everyone, chose to have a conversation with her when he wanted to reach a city. That means no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you're not too far gone for God's grace to reach you. He's pursuing you and he's pursuing your heart. See, you may not know this, but what's actually happening in this moment is called a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is a gift of the Spirit, but it's when you know something by the Holy Spirit that you don't know in the natural. See, Jesus had never met this woman prior, but he knew things about her by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think this is important to know because so many times we look at Jesus and yes, he is God, but we think that everything he did was because he is God. And the truth is he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because some of us may shrink back and say, well, Jesus could do that, but there's no way I could. Okay, uh, the Holy Spirit desires to work in you, and he desires to work through you. That he has gifts that he wants to employ to be able to move forward the mission of God. But what Jesus did was by the power of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, here's how Jesus ministered. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're not taking notes, you can also write this down, okay? Because this actually applies to our lives as well. See, Jesus ministered from an intimate relationship with the Father and a sensitive relationship to the Spirit. I'm going to say it again. Jesus ministered from an intimate relationship with his Father and a sensitive relationship to the Spirit. See, the truth is, you and I can too. We can operate this way because Jesus only did what his Father said, and he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll read some verses to you. Luke 4, 14, this is after Jesus was tempted. It said, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Notice it did not say in Jesus returned in his own power. 
See, many times we try to do things in our own power, but he walked in the power of the Spirit. John 5, 19. It said, then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, in other words, I'm telling you the truth. The son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. Later on in verse 30 of John 5, he says, I can of myself do nothing. These are very powerful words. He said, I can't do anything that the Father doesn't tell me to do, and everything I do is because I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. Here's what's interesting. See, Jesus knows that about himself, but in John 15, what does Jesus say to us? He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. Here's what he's saying. You won't be able to do anything of significant and eternal value unless you have the Spirit of God in your life unless he's in your heart, unless he's operating and working in you and your character and you're stepping out in obedience to what he's called you to do. Philippians 2, 6 and 7 says this. It said, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. See, Jesus was God, but he was also human. But here's what I've learned in my own life, and I tell this, the team this all the time, that we need the Spirit of God because ministry is miserable without the Holy Spirit. And just so you know, we're all called into the ministry as a pastor. My role is to actually equip you, the saints, for the work of ministry. So God has a ministry for every single one of us. But I want to say Jesus moved in the miraculous as he was mobilized in the mission that God had for him. See, many times we're playing for a miracle, but the miracle would simply stay with us. We wouldn't share the story because we're not going around and we're not mobilizing what God is calling us to do. But whenever the Holy Spirit moves, it's to be able to reach other people. I remember when I was a pastor in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at Gateway Church, uh, I, did, I was doing marriage ministry. Uh, and I don't do it as much anymore. And probably the main reason is because I'm not very good at it because I'm not as patient as I need to be. Some people are more patient than I am. I'm more or less like, hey, did you listen to what I told you last time? Oh, you didn't listen. Okay, how's that working out for you? It's not working too good, is it? So we're going to listen this time or not? And that's a little too abrasive, so many people don't come back to me, okay? But this couple I, was, I walked through four sessions with, and I was just sharing with the, the, the husband. I was just sharing with him, hey, here's what Christ has called us to do. He's called us to lay our life down for our bride in the same way that he laid his life down for us to, to really serve and give up his life. And I could just see, and I thought this, I didn't say it out loud, but as I was speaking, I could see it wasn't computing. And I was just thinking to myself, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth right now? Because it doesn't seem like you do. And I was getting frustrated. And I just felt the Holy Spirit prompt me in one of the meetings as he was talking. We were going back and forth, and I couldn't understand. It, and I just felt a prompting, and it just simply said, you can't ask someone to act Christ-like whenever they don't know Christ. And I don't know why I didn't start here, but I actually changed the whole entire conversation because we were operating in different frameworks. I asked them, have you ever given your life to Christ? Have you, has anyone actually shared the gospel with you? They had been coming to church and they'd heard it, but he never had someone personally share it with him. 
And I, he said no. So I began to share the gospel with him. And then he eventually, he, I led him to the Lord, which was an incredible thing. And I saw them several months later in church, and their countenance was totally different. Uh, he was smiling, but more importantly, she was smiling, okay? Like their marriage was totally changed, but it's because he had, he had an encounter with God. But that's what can happen whenever you're ministering to people. God can show you things about the person that you would not know on your own. It's important that we allow the Holy Spirit to also move in our lives as well. So Jesus did the miraculous after he shared his story. But here's the third one. She shared her story. She shared her story. We picked this back up in John 4, 25. It said, the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I just imagine there was probably this pause, a moment of silence where it kind of dawned on her who she was talking to, a, a beautiful moment. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he was talking with a woman because at that time a teacher, a rabbi would not talk with a woman in public. So they were shocked. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Verse 39, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all that I ever did. And I want you to understand it said many people came to faith because of her story, because she believed other people believed when she shared her story. But I want to say something. She kind of did this a little bit out of order. She didn't go to Bible college yet and to know everything about the Bible, all the theology. She just went out there and shared a story and look what happened. See, so many times we can put rules around what God can do through us. Once I do this, once I go to this class, once I attend here, once I listen to all of Pastor Ethan's messages on YouTube, uh, once I listen to everybody, then finally I'll be able to step out. Okay, that's not what happened here. She just simply took the step and was willing to tell her story, and other people began to believe. See, here are the people who can introduce people to Jesus, the people who have met Jesus. That's the only requirement. How can you introduce Someone to somebody you've never met. Okay, it's pretty hard. So these are the people that can introduce people to Jesus. See, we'll pick it up in verse 41. And many more believed because of his own word. So she invited all of them to come and meet Jesus. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves had heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. See, this is how the gospel has gone around the world and has reached us today. Because the people who had experienced and encountered Jesus shared it with other people. See, you are a witness about Jesus if you met him personally. I'm trying to encourage us to let's be the people that walk out the work of God. And, but Jesus later on talking with his disciples whenever they were there in verse 35, he says this. He said, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. In other words, don't talk about when. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. See, I believe that this is a prophetic word for us today. 
that we need to continue to lift up our eyes, continue to move forward in what God has called us to move forward in, not to get complacent or not just simply to rest in the place that he's brought us, but knowing that he has more for every single one of us as we continue to reach people. This is the reason why we've expanded and we'll have multiple locations all around the greater Houston area. Because we don't need to say, no, that's enough. There's still people to reach for the kingdom of God, and the harvest is ripe today. The truth is, though, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. So as laborers, as people who are called by God, or people who have his spirit living on the inside of him, we're called to step out in obedience to him. Luke 14, 23, a passage we read a couple of weeks ago, but it's still pertinent today. It said, then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compelled them to come in that my house may be filled. See, until Jesus returns, he wants his house full. He wants us to go out, and he wants us to compel people to come in. Yes, it's by the way that we live our lives, but it's also by being, by speaking the message that God has given us. This is a charge from Jesus to every single one of us and us as a church. And I can promise you, if we do our part, God will do his part. As Jesus is lifted up, he will be the person that draws people to himself. And it's important that we understand that. About 14 years or so ago, I was at a job. It's before uh, Elaine and I were married. And I was at a job and I was frustrated. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been frustrated at your job before, but I was very frustrated. I want to go to the next place and move on. But the young adult pastor at the time, who's now an elder here for the church, Preston Morrison, uh, he was discipling me, and we had many conversations, and he always asked uh, good questions. He still asks great questions. Sometimes it's annoying because I don't have the answer right then, but it makes me think, okay? We all have those people in our lives. So he asked me the question, do you, have you taken the time to ask God why he has you there? Have you taken the time to, to, to ask God? Because once you know why, once that work is finished, he, he probably will say and give you the release to go on to the next place. Otherwise, you'll get to the next place experiencing the same thing you experienced because you haven't taken the time to ask God why you're there. That was just free throwing it in there. Okay? Sometimes we get to the next place and wonder why it's the same. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I really didn't want to ask him that question. That's why I didn't ask, but I'll ask him. Okay? And so I began to ask him, and God began to highlight some people. My eyes were actually lifted up, and I was actually paying attention to the people. And there were two people that I began to talk with to be able to hear their story, to start a conversation, ask questions, listen, and then began to tell them my story about how God had changed me, and I was able to lead them to the Lord as well. They were going through a tough time, and then, but I invited them to church, and here's what they felt whenever they came to church. They thought they would be condemned. They thought they would be rejected and not welcome, but they simply said this. All we heard whenever we came into the building was God say, welcome home. And they felt like they were home, and then they began to walk this journey. Uh, they moved to the Houston area before we did. And this past year, we had a, a, an event with Michael Jr., a marriage event. It was an incredible time. And afterwards, they had come, and we were talking out in the lobby, and we began to share the stories and when we had met and connected. Uh, and there were some many funny parts to it. Uh, but then I was like, yeah, I was frustrated. I want to get out of there and so, so badly. And she, she actually said to me, Ethan? The reason why you were there was because of us. See, you were there for us. You may not have realized that even in your frustration, you were there for us. And because of you, our life has changed. They're, they're now married. They have several kids, and they're plugged and connected to one of the local churches here. And I'm so excited for them. 
But it was when I got the focus off of myself and realized that God could use me to share my story, that to open up uh, a future for their family, but also a future for them where they're connected and in relationship with God. See, why do you think God has put you where he's put you? He's put you there to be a light. He's put you there to be salt. We just simply need to ask the question, God, why have you put me there? And I promise you, I can only imagine if we would be a people that would come together and say, God, why am I here? He'll point out the people in the kingdom of God will continue to grow larger and larger because we've been willing to say yes to him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And I simply want to ask the question that we ask every single week here at Gateway. And that's what is the Holy Spirit saying to me through this message? We're all at different places in our lives. We all are at places where some of us are saying, hey, we need to have the confidence and the boldness to share our story, to walk out, to read the word of God, to understand his will and to work the work that God has called us to. And in a moment here, we want to respond. And the ways that we respond when a message goes forth is in prayer and also in worship. And at both locations, here in Katy and Magnolia, and even online, we want to pray with you. There'll be a prayer team down front uh, that will be here for as long as we need to be to pray for you. Through whatever you may be going through, even if it doesn't pertain to the message, we want to pray with you, and we believe that God answers prayer. You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to receive prayer. You don't have to be embarrassed because we all need prayer. I, I received prayer before I came in here to share. But God will meet us right there. And I want to encourage you, don't leave today with the same burdens that you came in with. But I also want to speak to a group of people who would say, hey, I actually haven't done the first work. And I want to do the first work that God has called us to. And I want to place my faith and I want to put my trust in God. I want to give him my life. And in a moment here, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're here today and you would say, hey, Pastor Ethan, as you pray that prayer, count me in. I'm going to pray that prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but it's a commitment that you're making to God in that moment. And if you're here today and you would say, hey, Pastor Ethan, I want to be a part of that prayer. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life at both locations. Would you just raise your hand high? Would you just raise your hand and say, yes, I want to put my faith, I want to put my trust in him. I want to do the work of God, and I want to believe in what he's called for me to do. You can raise it, raise it high. You should be proud. We're going to rejoice with you here in a second as a church. Even in Magnolia, you can raise your hand. All right, you can put him down. And just pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to the earth to die on the cross for our sins. And then three days later, he was raised from the dead to give us new life, but also to give us eternal life. Today, I choose to repent of my sin and to say yes to following you. And I ask for forgiveness of my sins and to be in relationship with you. And I pray from this day forward that I would walk in the new life empowered by your spirit every single day. Thank you for giving your life so that I can experience new life. And for this day forward, I choose to follow you. And I thank you for all that you are doing in my life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. 
Thanks for joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location, or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.